listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. Hello, and welcome to Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, the PuttCast. Putt is a not-for-profit industry watchdog organization dedicated to exposing the truth about the shady, abusive practices of pharmacy benefit managers and how they affect American patients, healthcare providers, and taxpayers. On the PuttCast, we'll talk to pharmacy industry experts, influencers, and patients, always with the goal of bringing the truth, transparency, and solutions to America's prescription drug affordability crisis. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is Monique Whitney. I am Executive Director for Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, and I'm so glad that you're joining us today. I'm really happy to introduce one of my board members, Oliver Lackey from Oklahoma. Oliver, say hi. Hi, Monique. Hi, everybody listening. It's great to be here. It's really good to have you, Oliver. Is this the first podcast you've been on? Uh, second, but the first one must not have been very memorable. So, uh, <laughs> but no, this is the second one. <laughs> uh, so, well, we've been doing this now for so long. I think really it's just, uh, we're just going to blame the PBMs for, for eating up whatever bandwidth is left on my memory. This is the first time you're <laughs> co-hosting though, right? Or am I getting that one wrong? Yes. Yeah, no, okay. that, that's right. Okay. All right. Great. All right. So, uh, so we have a really interesting topic today and, and, uh, and our guest panelist is someone I'm thrilled to have on. Uh, he is on at your recommendation. And I just wanted to start with asking you why, why this recommendation? Why, tell me a little bit about how we got to having this show today. Okay, so Chris Schiller is who we're talking to today, and um, Chris is a pharmacist from Muskogee, and the, the reason that Chris is so interesting, and I think he'll have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of knowledge to, to tell our, um, our listeners is Chris has kind of, um, he has reinvigorated pharmacy in Oklahoma, um, for quite a few years, um, just like in, in every other state, Oklahoma had kind of fallen behind in keeping up with um, the PBMs and insurance companies with the legislation. Um, you know, the PBMs have grown, the insurance companies have consolidated with them, and they have gotten so powerful over the years that, you know, each state has had to um, try to play catch up and do that, you know, a lot of the time it's been legislatively. Well, Chris, um, a few years ago, uh, took over the Oklahoma Pharmacists Association and really transformed it from a, you know, kind of sit back and watch, you know, things happening to um, now I would say OPHA is, is one of the, you know, most present I wouldn't say, you know, that we were powerful at the at the Capitol, but, you know, our legislators know, um, you know, when we want something to get done, um, you know, we have developed such good relationships with, you know, Chris's leadership and um, that, you know, when we're trying to get a bill passed, they, they, they typically will listen. 
And, and so just over the last few years under his leadership, OPHA has become a great organization. And, you know, we've developed all the grassroots and infrastructure. And, and I personally, you know, credit a lot of that to Chris's leadership. And so I, you know, wanted to have him on and to kind of, you know, maybe go through some of that, some of the things that he's done to, you know, help Oklahoma um, patients be able to, to use the pharmacies that they want to use um, and access health care. But also um, he has recently decided to um, take a big step and uh, run for Congress. So Oklahoma has a, a seat that's coming open and Chris has um, graciously decided to and make the sacrifice and, and, you know, run for Congress. And, and I think and he would be in a great position to do that. You know, he's a, just a great leader and a, a good guy. And, and so I thought today he would, um, he would be able to, to give us a lot of good information. And, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that also. That is one of the best introductions I've heard in a long time. Chris Schiller, welcome to the podcast. We are so glad to have you. Thank you, Monique. Monique and thank you, Oliver. What a, what a great introduction. Um, I will do my best to live up to that introduction. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah, well, we do. And the truth is, Chris, that we do know you're a bit of a rock star. Um, and and the Oklahoma Pharmacists Association, I mean, we 100% agree. This is an association that we have been following and cheering on and really just, you know, and so we're so impressed by the work that you've done in your leadership and the work you've done with them. So we're, we're, we have so many things we'd love to talk to you about. We'll try to keep our, our time focused on, uh, you know, some of the, the more important ones, but really glad to have you. Thank you for, thank you for allowing me to be here. So for everybody's listening, uh, one thing to know is that because PUT is a, a nonprofit, we're a 501c3, we we are not allowed to, but we also uh, volunteer not to endorse candidates. So this show is not an endorsement of his candidacy, though speaking personally, uh, I think Oliver and I both are like the enthusiastic, you know, two thumbs up on on his candidacy and running for office. But we do want to talk today about the state of U.S. healthcare and and what would motivate a pharmacist who already has such a big job being a pharmacist who then takes on additional leadership at the state association. What would motivate someone like Chris to run for office and and for anyone listening who might have ever had the thought maybe I should run for office am I crazy why would I want to run for office these are the kinds of things that we want to explore in our in our show today so I think Chris uh, a really good place to start in this conversation would be just to give us a little bit about your background from your point of view you know who are you and and how did you get to this place where you're running for Congress I mean you didn't you've never held political office before is that right? Uh, that's correct. Um, never ran for office. Um, never seeked office before. Um, so when when you come to why would I want to do this, and that's about when I when I call people and I tell them I'm running for U.S. Congress, that's about fifty fifty. Why would you want to do this? I've got a pretty good life here. I've been married to my wife uh, Becky for almost twenty three years. I've got two boys, one at Oklahoma State, uh, one that's in high school. We've got good business, um, you know, great reputations, just uh, you know, living a, a great life. Why would I want to enter into politics? Um, 
And I'll tell you, it's actually a, a pretty easy answer, but it, it's not a simple one one sentence. But oh, I'd say about four or five years ago, I had a um, parent friend. So our kids played basketball together and she shows up at the pharmacy. She brings a letter from her insurance company and says, Chris, I'm sorry, we're, we're being told that we can't use your pharmacy anymore. And I kept getting those. And I just, and whenever she gave me that, I was like, this is ridiculous. I, it's embarrassing, makes me look like I don't know what I'm doing, that, you know, we're not a real business. You know, I'm not a real healthcare provider because these are my friends that, that can't use my store. And so I, I was just fed up with that. And I thought, I've got to do something. You know, I, we, we have four pharmacies, so busy all the time. I was like, I've got to get involved and, and do something. So from that moment on, I started getting involved in what I call pharmacy politics. So um, and, and the association, we've had fantastic leaders in the past of the Oklahoma Pharmacists Association, but I, I started kind of being involved and, and was added to the legislative team for that. I created a, a Facebook group uh, called Oklahoma Pharmacists United, and immediately that turned me into some expert uh, with, uh, as far as um, PBM experts, pharmacy politics in Oklahoma, uh, when I really, I wasn't an expert, but it turned me into one really fast, got me involved in the legislative um, committee at, at OPHA, and then I got added to the executive council pretty quickly. And then, um, like Oliver said, we, we were kind of a just set back and watch association. And that, and that wasn't working any longer. And, and I thought we've got to do something different. And I, I quickly became uh, vice president and president elect. And I've served the last two years as president of the association. And Oliver kind of referenced it earlier when we were at the, when those people at the Capitol, when we want a bill passed or heard or whatever, We've done a great job of building relationships, and that's that's what it's all about: is building relationships and a great grassroots effort at the Capitol. We've got a long ways to go as far as passing legislation in Oklahoma, but we've we've had some pretty large bills or significant bills the last three years, um, and it's not it's not due to me. It's due to each pharmacist whenever they and I know every one of them regrets giving me their cell phone number because I anytime a bill's coming, they're getting a text saying, "Hey, reach out to your people, tell them we need this." It's it's the grassroots that's really made really made the difference. I told you it was a long answer no, of that's why. Great. Of <laughs> why. So in Oklahoma, as Oliver alluded to, we, we've got an open congressional seat. And the reason that is, is our, our U.S. Senator is retiring and my congressman is going to go run for U.S. Senate, leaving his seat open. And I've thought ever since I've gotten involved in pharmacy politics, I've thought about running for office um, to, to try to make a difference, to be, you know, impactful in, in, in what I'm doing. And so my wife and I have, have, have prayed about it and talked about it. And, and then this seat opens up and I'm like, I, I don't know. Again, I've got a pretty good life. Do I want to do this? And I just feel I feel compelled to run. I, I feel like it's the right thing to do, not only for pharmacy, but for, for lots of things. And, you know, we're concerned with the negative aspects of politics. You know, we have businesses in a, in a, in a small town that can be divisive and that can be, you know, that could be hard on our, our negative on our business and on our reputations. But I like I told Becky, I said, you know, if good people aren't willing to run and go serve in Washington to do the right thing, then I have no reason to ever complain. I can't complain about DIR fees. I can't complain about PBMs if I'm not willing to take that risk on and go try to make a difference. 
That's really fantastic. And I was struck by the term you used a little a little ways back. You were talking about pharmacy politics. You know, that is almost inescapable, <clears throat> excuse me, I think anymore in healthcare. Uh, we have a, a friend at, at Putt who frequently says, get into politics or get out of pharmacy, which I think could be said of almost any industry. And it seems like anymore, particularly in the pharmacy industry. And I do mean when I say that, I don't mean just like the the pharmaceuticals that are being manufactured. Everyone seems to want to, you know, glom onto that. But just every step along the way between the doctor and the patient seems to have become just so political and so charged. I, I'm curious as you as you look to this future, uh, what do you think one person running for office or even taking office, especially at the federal level, what, what do you think they could do to help, you know, maybe either depoliticize it or somehow reduce some of the political charge around, around this aspect of healthcare? I'm just kind of curious what your views are about that. Yeah, uh, great, great question. I'll, I'll answer it two different ways. One is I, I'm not um, naive enough to think I'm going to go to Washington, D.C. and have the success that we've had here in Oklahoma the last three or four years. I'm not that naive, but I'm, I'm very optimistic. You know, we have um, Representative Buddy Carter, Representative Diane Harshbarger in, in D.C. now. And we are starting to see some things happen. I mean, PUT is is working, you know, NCPA is working. Everyone's working um, on, on this. We've got two, you know, um, representatives there now, and we're starting to see some things happen. You know, we haven't fixed DIR fees, but we're starting to see it get some attention. I think one more person there to educate my peers would make a huge difference. The more, you know, medical professionals, pharmacists that we can get there that see our views, um, that understand, because as you know, as well as I do, PBMs, have all the money, all the lobbyists, and you know, unless we have someone there to educate uh, the rest of Congress, um, we really don't have a shot. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I was just thinking, you, uh, your state has Senator Lankford. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. has been a real ally in helping to expose some of the abuses that have been going on. Uh, it was a few years back, it was when I was first starting to, to work with Putt that we had the opportunity to weigh in and provide some information to help him in his own education. And he's just been fascinating to watch as he takes on the issues. So I'm almost, part of me is wondering like, is it Oklahoma? <laughs> is it in the water out there that you guys seem to really like jump in and take these problems? You're, you seem to really be like a take the bull by the horn kind of state. And actually, me, me and Oliver met with Senator Langford in, in Fairview, and Oliver has been key to educating him. We've had a few, we have a few pharmacists around the state that have a really good relationship with him. He understands it, I think, probably better than any other non-pharmacist person in D.C. And I think he's done a, a great job. Um, I don't know if it's in the water in Oklahoma. And as Oliver can tell you, we're, we're just fed up with it. We, are, we know that it, pharmacy is unsustainable unless something changes in Oklahoma. And we've, we've tried to take the bull by the horns and, and try to make a difference. Well, and I think, you know, I think part of that is a response to, you know, in Oklahoma, we are a, a large majority Republican state. And, you know, we believe in the free market and in and the ability to create a business that if you provide a better service, you take great care of your neighbors, you know, you should be able to succeed. You know, that's the American dream. 
of start a business, do everything right. And with PBMs and the insurance companies, that's just not so. You know, I started a, a pharmacy and ran it for seven years and just could never outgrow the abusive practices of the PBMs. And, you know, kind of once you get that that scene imprinted on a legislator, you know, like Langford, it's just an injustice. And, you know, I think here we're kind of the of the thinking that you should be able to follow your American dream and and, you know, build a good business. And, you know, we just see here that that that's not what this marketplace is doing. So I think that's part of why, you know, our legislators are, are working towards fixing the, the issue. And I think that's another reason why Chris would be a good um, educator. And since he's, you know, he has four of his own pharmacies, you know, he'll be able to go tell his stories and, um, you know, help kind of move it in D.C., towards, you know, fixing, fixing the problem. So. Which is, I think, really exciting, especially given that the, the federal government is designed to move a little slower than, than the state, but the federal often follows states, especially in matters when it comes to affecting patient care. I would like to know, and I think probably other people who would be considering running for office would like to know, how does someone with four pharmacies and a family and a life go about campaigning and just and managing this next you know thing that you're you're out to accomplish great question so uh, you know just like any other uh, pharmacy owner super busy uh, in the store a lot I've, I've been very blessed um that i i don't have to work the bench that that often and i do i do work quite a bit because i love being a pharmacist i love the relationships with my patients you know i've had the same patients for i think i've been a pharmacist for almost 20 years now so i've had the same patients i started as a delivery driver at the pharmacy when i was 16. so i have the same patients that i delivered to when i was 16 that still come in the pharmacy so i love being a pharmacist but i've been very blessed to where i I haven't had to work the bench um, scheduled all the time. And that's allowed me to really go and, and make an impact in Oklahoma with OPHA because people can't do that. People can't come to the Capitol all the time because we, we have to work. I mean, that's, that's what we do. You know, our lobbyists sometimes like, Hey, can we get everybody to the Capitol on Monday? I'm like, no, we can't. Everyone works on Monday. You know, that's, that's the way it is. So I've been very blessed that I don't have to to work um, the bench all the time. We this is a big sacrifice for us. So I've I've kind of will step away actually as of yesterday to where I won't be on the schedule at all for the next three months and then on depending on how the next primary goes. And so that's a sacrifice that cost us to having to hire another pharmacist, um, having to scale back whatever we have to do, but. You couldn't run if you if you had to work all the time. I don't I don't think you could anyway. And that luckily I'm in this unique position that I that I can do that. I think that's well said. It's a good thing for anyone to consider, you know, very, very heartfully when looking at whether or not to to run for office. A couple of summits ago, we had a guest speaker who spoke to the group about what it would take to run for office and and our purpose in in having that session uh, and I apologize if you hear noise in the background that I apologize that is my uh, my my dog who wants to get in on this conversation as well. Uh, but getting back to the pet summit, uh, he was giving us advice on on what to do if we would consider running for office. And, and the reason that we opted to have that is because just exactly as you said, we now we have Buddy Carter. He used to be the only pharmacist in Congress. 
We now have Diana Harshbarger. We could potentially have you a third pharmacist there in Congress. There's a point where I think, you know, healthcare providers who can take the time to step away and, and serve in the government, at least for a little while, I, it seems like there's a tipping point that would be achieved there that, that could be good for the healthcare system and certainly, you know, good for patients. But there's also, as you said, the lobbyists. And I'm just curious, what do you think? So if you were to be in office, what do you think would happen the first time you encounter a healthcare or a PBM lobbyist, someone from the opposition? I'd, I'd just be curious to see what you would be saying to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I, I am a, a um, reasonable, kind human being. Okay, so I would um, I, I don't think I will get much praise from the other side at all. Let's put it that way. But um, I know the facts, and you're not you won't be able to come in and, and tell me some story about the tools that you have to save money. You know, the tools that you use to say, which I love when they say these tools we used to, uh, to save money. It's just that's not that's not real. You know, what you're doing is not is not correct. So, I mean, I would just, you know, have have the facts. I'm sure I would not. I would. I'm sure I would be on the same or the bottom of their list. Right. Above or below Buddy and Diana. I, and so I, I, I would assume that's what it would be. Yes. I think you'd be kinder than, than I would be in that situation. I think I'd welcome them in and say, please, PBM, explain the system to me. I'd like to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, Oliver and I talk about this. Uh, and, and I know, you know, Oliver, you've been in the position of being in stakeholder meetings too. How frustrating it is that you can be there with. With your facts, you you mentioned now a couple of times DIR fees, which are such a huge threat to pharmacies, to pharmacies being the, the primary delivery model of care to patients who need their medicine and need it now. And here we have we deal with uh, direct and indirect remuneration fees in the you know hundreds of thousands of dollars a year per pharmacy, right? That is happening. And then you go to try to explain the impact, and it's like they roll out a pie chart with these numbers and they say something like, yeah, but how does $981 per, per or whatever, you know, whatever thing it is that they say in savings. And, and it's sort of like the moment that happens, like, like all conversations just seem to miraculously evaporate. And that could just be my experience. Perhaps there have been some good, reasonable conversations. I'm sure maybe you've had a few of your own in the stakeholder meetings, but I think, I think if they were to you know, walk into your office and talk with you. I think they would have nothing to fear. <laughs> I think you would be kind to them and you would listen and I'm sure you would, you know, set them straight on what the facts actually are. <laughs> well, I mean, they've got a job to do and they're doing their job. So when I'm at the, the and Oliver experiences this too, when we go up to the state capitol, and, you know, I've got, we got our lab jackets on, if it's a certain day, you know, we wear our, our lab jacket, our white coats and I'm just my normal, nice self. I'll tell, say hi to people, try to meet, you know, people. But I realized uh, shortly after that, our, our lobbyist, who's, who's awesome, who works for OPHA at the Capitol is like, Chris, you realize that everyone in the building is working against us. I mean, every, every lobbyist, not, not the, the representatives or the senators, but every lobbyist that's at the Capitol is working against our bill at, at, when we're up there. So, um, and it's because of the grassroots effort of the pharmacists at home that are calling, texting, emailing their, their legislators that, that we can walk up to the Capitol with pride and knowing that we're making a difference and not have to worry about all the suits. Let's put it like that, yeah. So as a candidate, have you experienced 
uh, people coming to talk with you about non pharmacy issues. Uh, so I'm just going to pivot for a moment. Sure. I'm going somewhere with this question. I'm just curious, have other groups come up to you and started to talk with you about their issues and try to help, you know, educate you on those issues? And if they have, what has that been like for you? You know, I'm, I'm not a politician. And, and so I don't know a whole lot about all a lot of different issues. I just know what I know what I know. But um, surprisingly, I, I have talked to a few other industries uh, like the beef industry or cattle industry, which is right now going through a very similar thing as independent pharmacy is um, with, you know, I think there's three or four packing plants across the United States. And so they're buying the, you know, the beef at a low price, packing it, and then charging a huge price at the grocery store. So those beef producers, I guess is the right term, are going through a very similar thing as what we are as independents. Um, also, the, the oil and gas industry is, is fairly similar. Also, the small independent oil and gas producers are kind of experienced the same thing competing with the big producers. Um, so that's that's been kind of an eye opening experience for me. There's a lot of issues that that are, are out there. Um, you know, me being a businessman, I can relate to almost all of them because because a lot of it is, is business associated. Um, so it's, it's been an eye-opening experience, a welcoming learning experience, because I, I, I'd like to know more about other, other industries also. And I think it's interesting that you brought up the, the beef industry and the oil and gas industry, because, you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm thinking about small business in this country, and, you know, we always say small business is the backbone, but then there always seems to be giant corporations that for some reason are truly the backbone, even though we say small business is not you know, beef and, and, and the oil and gas industry are not, and yet, and yet they are going through the same thing. There, there's a lot of consolidation in our country and this idea that, you know, anyone can rise up from humble beginnings and, and be anything in this world that they choose to create seems to be rarer, you know, these days. What, what do you, what do you think will happen with that in the future? I'm not asking you so much as a candidate, like, what would you do about that? But I mean, just your thoughts as a small business owner in an industry that people perceive to be really big and rich and powerful, what are your thoughts about what it's going to take to either educate people to understand what the facts are or just to maybe get us back in line and back in balance between the large industries and the smaller independent ones? Great question. And, it, and it's really it's freedom more than anything with government regulation, government overreach into every every aspect of our lives. Um, it makes living the American dream pretty difficult. We all come from different backgrounds, but we all have great opportunities in America. And it seems that um, certain um, people or groups uh, use government to make regulations, to make rules that make it more difficult for, for us to live the American dream. So I think pulling back government regulations um, would be would be a, a huge part of that, an absolute huge part of that. And so that's that's what I would work towards. Actually, I know you, you said you said not specifically, but that's what I would work towards. No, that's okay. And, and I can appreciate that answer. Yeah, just be, you know, the more that, that I know I've learned about it, right? So the FTC is now looking into, into PBMs and PBM practices, which is wonderful and well overdue. But you know, the more that I learn about how the market has not really shown up as what we thought it would be, that it's a much more 
you know, competitor controlled market than I think any of us realize, the more, you know, interested I am in, in what, what are going to be the solutions, because in some ways you could say like the horse has left the barn, but in other ways it's, it's not too late. You know, it, it doesn't mean like, well, we should just all give up and, and hand ourselves over to CVS or, or whoever, whoever the, the big industries are. So I, I know I appreciate that answer. Thank you. And, and let me just expand a little bit more on that. So regulation, government regulation overreach is a big problem. But I think a, another big problem that we are experiencing a lot is um, them allowing the monopoly. And so, to, you know, the monopoly or crony capitalism of of big corporations because of the lobby aspects at the capital is, is I think, just as big as a problem because they'll keep the government from doing anything that they should be doing, if that makes sense, preventing monopolies and, and crony capitalism. Yeah, I know it, it totally makes sense. It really does. And by the way, thank you for trying to solve the world's problems on the podcast today. We <laughs> yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> I'm asking these questions and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm sure glad I'm not you having to answer these <laughs> questions. This uh, this idea of freedom, the market, you know, Oliver, you alluded to that a little bit earlier too. Is that is that what was behind, you know, shaping how the Oklahoma Pharmacists Association was able to develop its relationships and and its strong policies. I mean, when I think of the states, Oklahoma is just one of those states that just is, shows up as a shining example. I know you haven't won every battle, but you've you've taken some significant ground. And I'm just you know kind of wondering is is it was that the was that the mindset you know give us freedom or. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, we all stick together or we all hang together. We all hang apart type thing. It was, it was, you know, freedom. And actually I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back, but it's more patient freedom or patient choice that I was concerned about. I'm, I'm a patient ad, advocate. I, I have a type one diabetic son, you know, his insulin costs a thousand dollars a month. If he can't get his insulin, you know, it, it, he, he doesn't, he doesn't live. Um, that's hard as a parent. And lucky, luckily, you know, I, I'm a pharmacist and I can handle that. But when I look at my patients, that their kid's a, a type 1 diabetic and they have to go to mail or they're forced to go to mail order or they're for, forced to pay $1,000 a month, that's that's not good health care. And, that's, and it's, that's not right. And so that was kind of the, the determining, you know, I've already told you I was just fed up with it, right? And so that's what really got me going into this as more of a patient advocate than anything as far as, you know, Chris Schiller needs something else to do. I, I just, I, I was just, just sick of that, sick of, um, you know, insurance stealing. I'm not going to say steering because I believe it's stealing our patients that, that we've worked hard and served and people in our community for, for many years and all of a sudden can't come to us anymore. And it's that that's just, you know, I think created this momentum that we've had in Oklahoma. And what I've really, and I want pharmacists and everyone to hear me, especially if you're in a, a mid-sized town or, or city or a more of a rural community, you have a lot of power on your local politicians. And, and, and it's not anything you would abuse because pharmacists, we take care of people. That's what we do. But more people walk through your doors in your town than almost anywhere else in your town. And that that local state rep and that local state senator probably comes to your store, okay? But they know how many people walk through your door. And you could be a huge influence on them staying in office or not. 
So, and it's not intimidating at all. A lot of people, and I was, I was pretty nervous because I really didn't know my people very well when I first started. I was a little nervous, a little intimidating. You think they're going to say, okay, well, Chris, um, you know, the, they're telling me this. So you tell me why and you never get anyone. No one ever comes back and says, well, you give me five points and I'll go give you five points. That never happens. They're just always thankful for the information. They'll take a look at it. And then you just keep developing that relationship. So you, if you're out there and you do not know your state rep or your state senator, it, it's a simple cup of coffee. Call their office, tell them that you'd like to take them out for breakfast or a cup of coffee. Most politicians, and I'm not saying me, but most politicians want to stay in, stay in office. I am not looking for another career. I am not looking for a paycheck um, to go to Washington. I, it's a lot of risk involved. I lose money if, if, if I go to Washington, okay? Um, but I feel like it's the right thing to do. That was a tangent. I'm sorry, I got off on that tangent. But take your state rep or your state senator to coffee. Talk to them about the issues. When you try to tell them about what you're going through with PBMs, they won't believe you because it's so such a crazy story. Um, kind of like trying to tell someone about DIR fees. That, that no one it takes 10 times for them to even slightly believe you because it's such a crazy thing that they don't believe take them out, talk to them, and then you'll get their cell phone number. They'll give you their cell phone number. When a bill comes up in your state, text them, say, hey, we'd really appreciate your support on House bill, this, 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 and they'll vote for it. And so anyway, sorry, I, I maybe got off on, on a little uh, tangent there, but uh, sorry about that. No, that was well said. Very well said. So we we do spend time here at PET always encouraging our our members and our friends to do exactly what you what you just described, and that was that was very very well said, and I appreciate that. I, I frankly think we could we could say that more times uh, than not, and people would benefit from that. Uh, and I and I'm I'm especially encouraging as I'm here in Arizona. Arizona is a very large state in terms of its you know acreage, but in terms of its population, that's almost entirely based between Phoenix and Tucson, which means we have a lot of rural communities where there are little pharmacies, uh, you know, here, according to the latest NCPA digest, we went from 135 independent pharmacies. The count is now down to 90 independent pharmacies, which means that there's a lot of little communities out there that don't have any pharmacy, not, not a CVS or a, a Walgreens and certainly not a community pharmacy. So for those towns that, you know, where there is a pharmacist who could you know, uh, who maybe could develop a relationship and has just been afraid to do that or intimidated. I think your advice is spot on. So thank you for that. Yeah. And, and that's a concern, you know, dropping 40 pharmacies or 45 pharmacies in a, you know, in a year or two. And the problem that, that, and what we really sell at the Capitol here is it, this is not about saving a five and dime store. This is about healthcare and healthcare access. It is not, you know, it's not right if a pharmacy closes for people to have to drive 30 miles. You know, that's a 60 mile round trip. It's um, gas, uh, $4.50 or whatever it is today. That's significant. And that really hurts the constituents or the citizens of your state. And so we drive that home in Oklahoma. To, we've got to keep these pharmacies open. And so that's a, a point that we try to drive home. And I think that's an extremely important point. And then, of course, you know, here in Arizona, every so often it gets a little bit hot here. And, you know, when you think about someone's 
medicine traveling in a delivery van to their mailbox. Uh, you may remember a couple, I think it was a couple of years ago now. It was our state where the postal worker cooked a steak in her truck, her postal truck, to try to prove how dangerous the temperatures are, you know, in the truck. And so I think that the access to healthcare, the access to, to medication that is in its best possible state, not you know, um, degraded by extreme temperatures. These are all important issues that it's just easy to overlook, uh, particularly if you have someone coming in and saying, oh, but we save so much money, though we don't know. The truth is we don't know if we actually save so much money or not, but that's a topic for another day. I, I do have a question for you. I, I'd love to know, uh, for anyone who's listening, who is thinking maybe, you know, you'd like to sign up for office or run for office, what, what what advice would you give them, Chris, as far as you don't necessarily have to go through the step one, do this, step two, do that, but but what advice would you give anyone who's looking to run for office? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I did. I don't think I'm quite a politician enough to give advice yet, but I'll tell you what I did. I knew our, our congressman in the district over um, just from over the years. You know, so I once I heard that our senator was going to retire, I knew my congressman was going to go run for that or I had a good feeling. So I just I sent a text on a Saturday morning and said, hey, um, you know, congressman, I've got a couple of questions for you. I needed some advice. Could you give me a call? And literally in a minute, he called me. We had a two hour long conversation. He knew exactly what I was going to ask. And he said, you should do it. He said, he said, you've got a healthcare background, a businessman, you, you have a great platform, you should do it. And so the reason I say reach out to someone that's that's in politics is because he has helped me form a fantastic team because politics is not what you think it is. Or, or to me, it's not. It's not putting some signs up, meeting a few people, especially if you're running for U.S. Congress, because it's a, I've got a huge district that's like a third of our state um, in size in square footage anyway. Um, and so there's a lot of things that go on. So he's helped me build a, a great team to help me win, you know, win office. That's my first piece of advice would be, or not advice. I'll just, that's what I did first reached out. The other one is, and, and, and I hate this part about politics already. And I'm just getting started is raising money. It takes money to, to win office. Now my race is a lot different than from a, a, a typical U.S. Congress race because our senator resigned four months before the primary. Our primary is on June 28th. We're recording this on March 31st, so less than three months away. So unless you have the capability to raise money quickly and or your own resources, don't get in the race because there's going to be um, a lot of money to get your message out. And so the way I try to explain this to my friends and family is because I, I don't like asking for money or talking about money, but the only way to get my message out to the voters is through buying media and media cost money. Luckily, we as pharmacy owners, okay, we have access to this network of pharmacy owners across our state and across the country. And we have this ability to raise money pretty quickly. Some of us have some resources that we can put our, our own money in also. So ask for advice from a current politician and then evaluate the money and the time situation. So from here, so for these next three months, I will 100% be on the road 
going to every festival, every parade, every breakfast. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I like meeting people. I like talking with people, but you have to have that time. There's no way that you could work a, a job. I think even a part-time job and actually, and actually do, do such a big race. Now, maybe a state rep, state Senator, you could probably do both. And a lot of pharmacists have such good reputations in their town. They may not have to campaign at all in, in a state race. And so that that would be my um, not at my advice, but what I've done. That's really great. You've you've said so many things that are, I think, you know, strong points. Uh, you mentioned a while ago the number of people that walk through your pharmacy and the, the kind of power that a pharmacist does have, particularly in uh, communities of certain sizes. Uh, this last point that you know you you as the you know health hub, if you will, of your community might might be in a in a much better position than you even realize uh so there's no reason to if you're thinking about running for office there's no reason not to at least explore it to its you know furthest potential and i think that's really great i i really thank you i thank you for what you are doing for the people in oklahoma what you're doing for the profession i think you're going to be amazing uh, up there on the hill and you know just want you to know that we appreciate you and everything it's taking you're right it is no small thing to you know put a life and a business four stores <laughs> you know um, in the hands of you know trusted people so that you can go do this thing that uh it sounds like you've been called for so you just really appreciate you and congratulate you on your decision to do that thank you i probably need to say so my wife pretty much runs the pharmacy. So I, I need to give her kudos on, on giving me the, the, the ability and time to go, uh, you know, to go do this. Um, and, and she does a great job and, you know, gives me that flexibility and that freedom um, for me to be able to go do this. I, I probably should have mentioned that earlier, but I definitely wanted to get that in and just uh, because she will listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then we thank her too. And especially uh, thank her for lending you to, to the rest of us here in the country and for the work you're going to do. Um, Oliver, any, any last comments for you before we bring the show to a close? Uh, no, I mean, just really just wanted to thank Chris again, kind of like you did. Thank you for stepping up and representing Oklahomans. And I know, I know I've got to know Chris over the years and, um, his character will shine through there in DC. You know, I think <laughs> as many people that we can send to DC with Chris's, you know, backbone and character, you know, we're going to all be for the better. And I, <laughs> To, to, to go with, with Chris's thank you, you know, Rebecca, Cash, and Watson, you know, they're all making huge sacrifices too. And so definitely thank them. And, and, you know, we just appreciate what you're doing. And, you know, if there's anything that, you know, Oklahoma pharmacists can do for you, you know, make sure you reach out. We're here for you. Go get them. Thank you, Oliver. Thank you. I appreciate our friendship. And you're doing a fantastic job, a, a fantastic job of keeping our state, keeping our association, keeping Oklahoman pharmacy um, going. Yeah, we we uh, we appreciate you, Oliver. You are fantastic and great member at PUT as well. Uh, Chris, you have a website I, I for everyone listening. Uh, please get to know Chris. Uh, please visit his website. He has a, a, a fascinating background. And as you can tell from the conversation we've been having, just someone, a, a great personality and, and someone with a lot of advice and 
and insight and you know good thought as far as what needs to happen for redirecting our healthcare system back toward patients and the the relationship between patients and providers. Um, Chris, would you mind letting us all know what your website is? Sure. Thank you. Um, it's SchillerForCongress.com. So it's S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R for Congress.com. Great. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We hope that this has been helpful and informative to you. If you have comments for us, we always love to hear feedback. Please leave them for us in the notes below. And until next time, we will see you at the next podcast. Bye.